Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, and welcome to episode 13 of the Beneath the Stats podcast, produced by Wicked Local North Boston. I'm your host, Ron McKittrick. Joining me today is Boston.com producer, Boston Globe contributor, and Duxbury Clippers sports editor, Trevor Haas. He'll be joining me in a little bit to discuss the Celtics game last night. But first, I need to vent about this team, because at this point, it's embarrassing to be a fan of this team. And... The Celtics were down 2-1 in the series. Everyone knew last night was a must-win. And all joking aside from the common cliches, oh, is it a must-win? You know, is this a must-win? And obviously it's not a must-win until the series is over. Last night was an absolute must-win. And the reason it was a must-win is, number one, the Bucks are really good. So to beat a team like the Bucks three in a row is very difficult. But the real reason it was a must-win is because the Celtics have been so inconsistent all season long. And if they went back down 3-1 and had to win three games, two out of three on the road against a good Milwaukee Bucks team and to put it together consistently after not playing well, there's just no chance. And the Celtics had to play their best basketball last night against the Bucks, and it didn't happen. And from a Celtics fan perspective, that was as mad as I've probably ever been about the team since I've been a fan. The last time I was that upset watching a game, watching my team play, was the Chicken and Beer Red Sox team. I believe it was 2011 or 2012, I forget the year. Miserable years for the Red Sox. And the reason why we were so frustrated with that Red Sox team is, number one, they had so much talent and they underachieved. But the other thing is, they just didn't have that heart, that passion that fans want to see, the character. And when you question the character especially for a city like Boston, that is going to drive fans nuts. And Celtics fans booed last night. And they didn't boo because they're missing shots. And Chris Webber mentioned it, who I thought it was great on the broadcast, by the way. Because Chris Webber mentioned it from the very beginning. The Celtics were playing a little frantically in the beginning. And that if the Bucks could withstand that run, that initial energy by the Celtics, and they came out with a lot of energy, but they are playing kind of all over the place, that the Bucks could withstand that, they would win the game they did. And... Celtics fans booed the Celtics team, which every once in a while it happens if they think they're not showing energy and effort towards the end of the game, and it was well-deserved. And from a Celtics fan perspective, as I said, it was embarrassing, it was disgusting to watch, and they've been bad during the season, so this shouldn't surprise anyone, but last night in particular was hard to watch, and there were two plays for me that were brutal. And it was towards the end of the game, and the Celtics are still in the game. It might be eight or ten points. They're trying to create a comeback. They're down by five, and Tatum tries to go one on five on a fast break. What he knew gets blocked. Then towards the end of the game, again, the game is still, it's not out of reach completely. 
yes, the Celtics are probably not going to win. But at the end of the game, when you're, it's a close game, do-or-die game, you need to play to the end. And Giannis just goes through absolutely through the defense with no help, dunks on the team, basically emasculates the Celtics. And it's just no heart, no help defense, back to one-on-one play for this basketball team. And as I mentioned in the podcast, I was very optimistic going into this series. I thought they were coming together at the right time. I thought they ended up the season on a good note. I thought they played well against the Pacers. The chemistry seemed better. It seemed like guys are fitting into their roles and that Gordon Hayward was coming along. Then they play the Bucks in game one and they destroyed them. And as I mentioned, I didn't see the game, but it seemed like they were playing better team basketball. That Their help defense was great. They weren't letting Giannis get any easy buckets and they made it difficult for him. And obviously Giannis is going to play better the rest of the series and they weren't going to hold him down. And the Bucs are talented. Middleton's a really good player. The fact that Connaughton's beating the Celtics is frustrating to say the least. Does everyone know he's a local guy? But the reason I was optimistic about the team was because although they were inconsistent throughout the season, there were signs of things slowly coming together. But they lose three in a row, and they look just like the team they have all year. And I was caught up in it. I thought the Bucs were good. I told you that I would not be surprised if the Bucs could beat the Celtics because the Celtics have been inconsistent. I wouldn't be surprised if they went one-on-one. But I didn't expect them to be this bad. I didn't expect them to be giving easy buckets at the end of games in a basically the game of the season for the team. And it was just really, really frustrating. And yes, obviously, they're down 3-1. Very few teams come back from 3-1. Is it possible to come back? Sure. If the Celtics play like they're capable of, like they thought they were in the series, then yes, they could win three in a row. Based on what I saw last night, I'm calling it. It's over. I'm done with this team. I'm done being optimistic about it. You know, one could say that, well, you know, we've seen great comebacks, right? The Bruins have come down from 3-1, I believe. The Red Sox came back from 3-0. No team had done it before. So why can't this team come back? And maybe Trevor will explain his reasoning why he might be a little bit more optimistic than me and why this season isn't completely over. But from what I've seen from this group, there's no indication throughout the whole season why this team could be able to come back from behind 3-1, put it together consistently against a good team, and come back and to win the series. Not when they're playing like this. When they have it going, and the chemistry is great, and they're not taking turns and going one-on-one, and even Perk was talking about it playing my turn basketball, which I've talked about all season in terms of taking turns and guys not knowing the roles and taking bad shots and forcing it, and Rozier comes in, he's terrible. And Tatum's taking bad looks, even though Tatum had a decent game. But when I look at this team, and I think, well, could a comeback happen? They're not like the Bruins that came back 3-1. They're not like the Red Sox in 4 Those teams at heart. This team has no heart, which is why it's so frustrating. This is why when I look at Kyrie Irving, and he shoots, what, 7 for 22? Yeah, Kyrie was terrible, and if he came to play, it might have been a different result. But that's not my frustration. I don't think that's the most of the frustration for Celtics fans. I think the frustration for Celtics fans is that this team has no heart, no passion. When they get punched in the mouth, they don't fight back, like the Red Sox did, like the Bruins did. They have no character. And that's at the crux of it, the frustration with for me and all Celtics fans. Because at its core... Boston fans want teams that are tough, that have character, that fight back, that when things don't go well, they show heart and energy. And if the Celtics lost this series because they, the Bucs had too much talent or because Celtics didn't make shots, fine. You know, Gordon Hayward's not himself. This team thought they'd be better because Gordon Hayward 
QBI himself, Terry Rozier is playing terribly. You know, guys are playing inconsistent. And yeah, that's frustrating. But fans in Boston, and me in particular, I can't take no effort. I can't take end of games, Giannis going by guys, no help, dunking on you. That to me is inexcusable. And to me, I'm just done with the team. I'm calling it over. It's 3-1. There's no chance of coming back. I'm going to give one more rant when this, when this whole fiasco all ends about really who's to blame. Really give a breakdown of guy by guy and what went wrong in this season. Because we're not there yet. It's not completely done with. But at this point, it really seems like we're there. And last night was really the epitome of the whole season for this team. It really sums up. Because the Celtics, overall this year, they've had good spurts of success. And their best spurt was probably in the playoffs in the beginning against the Pacers and then the win against the Bucks. But they've played like this for probably 90-85% of the year. The inconsistent play. Not showing hard, not getting back on defense, easy layups, taking turns. So it shouldn't surprise anyone. And I'm a fool for buying in when they were playing well. And I said I was optimistic about making it to the finals, and I changed my mind. From what I saw, this team is my, was my fear going in. They deserved to lose in the second round. They weren't going to lose to the Pacers because the Pacers were terrible. And all season long... We couldn't rely on this team. We couldn't trust this team because when things would go well, you know, everyone would be happy, but then they'd be inconsistent. Things wouldn't go well again. When adversity hits, when they get punched in the mouth, they didn't fight back, things got worse. And when every single time things go poorly, they continue to fail, and every single time things go well, it doesn't last, then what sort of evidence do you have or why should you feel good about this team other than blind faith? And I can't wait to talk to Trevor in a minute or two to hear his thoughts on why we should be more optimistic than the team than I am. But as we say in Shark Tank, for all those reasons, I'm out. Now let me bring in Trevor Haas to the podcast. Trevor, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Always a blast. So I talked about the Celtics in the first 10 minutes of the podcast and really gave my rants about my frustrations with the team. Before going into the series, I did pick the Celtics over the Bucs, and especially after game one, everyone was all in onto the team, but the Seas have lost three straight. They lost a crucial game last night, 113-101, to and as I just talked about in the podcast, Trevor, I'm out on this team. I think it's over. It seems like everyone thinks it's over. Is there any reason for optimism to think the Celtics can somehow come back and get back in the series? Uh, well, the short answer is no, but the longer answer is that I think the Celtics have kind of surprised people all year in that they haven't really done what they've been supposed to do. So like when you expect this team to win five in a row, they lose three out of five. When you expect them to lose, they win, and they're kind of just you know hot and cold, and that's kind of the nature of who they are. So I think they have the pieces to potentially get back in the series. Mathematically, it's probably you know maybe 5%, 10%, but I think don't give up hope until it's finally over with this team because they've kind of shown that you know really know what to expect. So I guess we'll find out. After the Pacers series where the Celtics looked great, but the Pacers are so bad that it was hard to tell if it was the Pacers' lack of talent, the lack of scoring, or the Celtics were coming together. It might have been a little bit of both. And then they beat the Bucs in game one. They looked great. What have you noticed in the last three games from this team? What has changed? Obviously, Kyrie has gone cold, and that's really been hurting the team. There's been inconsistent play from a lot of the guys. The defense has been rough at times. Giannis has stepped up his game I'm sure all those are factors, but for you, what have you noticed in the last three games that's really changed in the series? I think there are a lot of things. You kind of addressed it with Kyrie. I mean, you know, he's shooting six for 20 from three in the series, and that's just really not going to cut it. Uh, uh, sorry, yeah, six for 20, so 30%, which is really just not great. I mean, he's better. He's a better player than that. 
Um, defensively, they've given up, let's see, 123, 123, and 113. That's not going to do it no matter who you're playing. Um, they've scored over 100 themselves all three of those games, but, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you're giving up that many points, you're not going to win a lot of games. Um, offensively, I think they've become a little predictable. It's kind of just work the ball around a little bit and then hoist up a three and then you know, guys like Marcus Smart are coming back wanting to shoot. Tatum wants to shoot. Brown wants to shoot. It's kind of everyone else is looking for their shot. And then it seems like Gordon Hayward is kind of not looking for his. So it's kind of interesting to just see who's been taking the shots. And they're not really getting great looks within the flow of the offense. So I think it's really just a combination of the Bucks and their role players stepping up. And obviously Giannis is a freak. We all know that. But, uh, you know, between just the Bucks, ter- the Bucks great offense and the Celtics terrible offense, it's kind of just been a, a, a clash in that. Uh, you know, tail of two cities and one team is just dominating, the other is not playing well. And I think when you look at the two rosters, I don't know if people gave the Bucks enough respect in terms of Middleton and Bledsoe because from what I've seen, those guys have been a lot more impressive than a lot of the Celtics role players. I mean, I haven't really been that impressed with Tatum, although he had a decent enough game, I guess, last game. But overall, I have not been impressed with Tatum. I think Rozier's been terrible. Hayward's been nowhere, anywhere in this series a guy like Hayward in particular, what have you seen from him? Because we saw glimpses in the beginning of the playoffs and he was dunking. It looked like he, maybe he was coming back a little bit. The confidence was there. And then you see a one for five showing with 27 minutes with two points and a minus 11 plus minus for him last game. What are you seeing from these guys, but especially from Hayward in particular? Uh, I think the common theme all year has been when Hayward goes, the Celtics go. Um, you know, in, in game one, he scored 13 points on uh, and he shot 62% from the field and they won. Game two, five points, 20% from the field. Game three, he was decent, 10 points, but only 25% from the field. Game two, or game four last night, he just really didn't do much at all. Didn't even look for a shot. Um, I think, you know, he's naturally at his best when he's facilitating and making plays for others. But in order for that to be his thing, he really needs to be a threat offensively. And right now he's not really looking for a shot. I think there are so many other guys in the team who do hunt out their shot regularly. And maybe, you know, we don't want him taking 25 shots a game like Kyrie wants to, but you know, if the Celtics can get him to take 10, 15 shots, he's going to make more, I think, because he'll get into a rhythm. So I think in game five, they need to really run some plays for him and get him isolated and just let him do his thing in the middle, in the paint and everything. Yeah, they need Hayward because as good as Tatum and Brown and Horford and those guys can be, to beat a good team like the Bucks, I think Hayward's got to be the guy next to Kyrie. But I do want to talk about Kyrie a little bit as well. And you mentioned the struggles. He was 7 for 22 Last night, I think he was 8 for 22 in the game before, and Bleacher reporting tweeted out that Kyrie said he wouldn't go 8 for 22, and he went 7 for 22. But the struggles have been there for Kyrie, and at least for me, it seemed like seems like the length of the Bucks inside has really hurt his finishing ability because he's really a guy that usually finishes inside and is known as probably one of the greatest finishers of all time, and yet he's really not finishing like he has. Do you think it's the Bucks defense that has hurt his ability to finish, or do you think it's Kyrie just not getting it done? Uh, that's a good question. I think it's a little bit of both. I think Kyrie is just genuinely cold. I mean, we know as basketball players, much worse ones that when you're off, you're off. When you're on, you're on. I think Kyrie has just honestly been pretty off this series. But I think you have to give the Bucks a lot of credit for that. I mean, when they go big and they have Miritich, Lopez, and Giannis out there, and even Middleton at the two, those guys aren't great individual defenders except for Giannis, but they're, they're good at playing team defense, and I think they're just altering his shots at the rim. Even a guy like Eric Bledsoe, who's, you know, Celtics fans love to hate, he's proven himself to be a pretty reliable defender this series. A lot of chase down blocks and great plays in the paint, um, stopping people like Kyrie and, and Tatum and Brown. Um, I think Kyrie is kind of forcing the issue a little bit, but at the same time, they need him to score. So it's kind of a catch-22. 
I think he just needs to be confident and play in rhythm and hopefully for the Celtics, the shots will fall. But now it's only one more game for him to do it. Otherwise, it might be his last. So I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I mean, we talk about the Baldwin all the time, but honestly, in the second half, I feel like they should get to a point where they spread it out and go Kyrie and Al, pick and roll, pick and pop, and that's the offense and you go from there. I just feel like the rhythm offensively with this team, when they're going great, it, it sometimes they're playing well and the Baldwin is coming. But as we've seen, if someone goes cold, they take turns, the defense then gets affected by it, and there you go. The Celtics lose three in a row. A couple more questions for you, and we'll, we'll wrap this up because I know you have to go. From what you expected in this series, from game one to now, to now losing three games, have you been surprised by the performance by the Celtics and the Bucks overall? We all knew the Bucks were a great team. Obviously, the Celtics really have not played well the last three games of this series. And at least in Boston Sports Talk Radio, and me, me myself, has been a lot of, we're all in on the team, we're all out on the team, it's all over the place. How has this series gone from what you expected before it began? Yeah, well, I like you, I, I had the Celtics winning, and I thought they'd win in maybe six, probably seven. Um, I thought their experience would you know, pay dividends with Kyrie and Gordon and Allen and everyone, but it really just hadn't panned out that way. I mean, you got to give the Bucks a lot of credit. Like we said, guys like Pat Connaughton, George Hill, um, they've really stepped up, and they've been great role players, and the Celtics role players haven't really done much. Rozier, Smart's been out. He didn't do much last night. Obviously, tough to come back in the first game, but um, it's really just been the role players that have outplayed them, and then Giannis has been the best player on the court by far. Uh, Kyrie's probably been third or fourth after Middleton and maybe Al, depends on how you look at it. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of just been really a fascinating thing. This, the Bucks were the better team all year. It's not like this is a, a shock because they've been good. But I think in terms of the power structure in the East, it's just kind of like you have to reassess things. I mean, the Sixers are pretty good. The Raptors are pretty good. The Celtics are hot and cold. But I think it's the Bucks East to win right now. So I don't know. I, they're they're really impressive. So Celtics and the Bucks play again on Wednesday night and. I wouldn't be surprised if the Celtics lose and this the season is over. And I'm waiting on the podcast to really get into the end of the season talk because it's not over yet, even though it does feel like it's over. But I may not have you, Trevor, on the podcast for maybe a week or two. So if the Celtics do end up losing, whether it's on Wednesday night or at some point in the series, in your mind, what was the biggest key? Who would be the biggest person to blame? Or what would be the biggest reason for why the Celtics didn't go farther than we thought they could be with the talent they had before the season began. I don't know. It's interesting to look at it. You don't want to put it all on Kyrie, and it, it definitely shouldn't be put on all, all on him. But I think, you know, the Celtics have to expect him to be a 25, 30-point-per-game player, and he just hasn't been that. I mean, the Bucs are doing a great job zeroing in on him, forcing him into, into passing the ball and doubling him at the right times. So it's been kind of a product of that. But I think he would be the first to say that he hasn't played to his potential. Um, of course, he still wants the ball more, which is interesting. He wants more shots, but... You know, it's just kind of been, it's been tough for him. He hasn't really gotten out of his comfort zone and he hasn't really made plays for himself or others. He has racked up a decent number of assists, but, you know, they've just kind of limited him. Um, and outside of that, like we said, Hayward has, you know, hasn't really found his stride yet. Um, he's, he's shown it throughout the season in stretches, but it's been a little up and down, obviously, after the injury, which isn't really his fault. Um, and he's playing at a higher level overall, but this series just hasn't been his best. Um, and then the Bucks, the role players, I mean, they're, they've been great. Um, they really complement Giannis. They have a great, a great team and really great fit. A lot of people who mesh well together. Uh, Lopez and Miritich are tough matchups. And Ilyasova, really good players. Three big guys who can all spread the floor and shoot and can all pass and rebound. Um, the Bucks have been historically good at three-point shooting. And the Celtics have been hot and cold all year with that. So it's kind of been burning them right now. And 
I think the Bucks are going to win either game five or game six. I'm not sure which, but one of those two. Either way, it's going to be a sad way for the Celtic season to end, assuming they don't have a miraculous comeback. We're on to the Bruins, but thanks so much for joining me, Trevor. I really appreciate it. And for you to make the time um, late afternoon, I really appreciate you coming on. All right. You're welcome, Robbie. Thanks for having me. Well, make sure to follow Trevor Haas on Twitter at Trevor Haas. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to check out my other episodes on the Wicked Local North of Boston website or on my social media accounts. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Robbie McKittrick for the latest podcast information. Thanks so much for listening. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.